The Seahawks will be looking for a second straight win as they head to L.A. to face the Chargers this weekend. Which matchup should be watching closely in this Week 7 battle? We'll be breaking it all down on our Matchup Wednesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's happening, 12? This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks, joining me for our Matchup Wednesday episode, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. It's our favorite episode of the week. We're going to be diving into all the key matchups to watch as the Seahawks head down to L.A. to visit SoFi Stadium and face off against the 4-2 and two Chargers. A lot of really enticing matchups on both sides of the football that we're looking forward to breaking down on this jam-packed episode that is brought your way by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. Over the last four or five weeks, I guess you could argue for the entire season up to this point, few cornerbacks have been better than rookie Tariq Woolen. And now the NFL is taking notice today. Woolen announced as the NFC Defensive Player of the Week for Week 6. Obviously, there were some other really good performances around the league, but Woolen had that interception on Kyler Murray in Sunday's win over the Cardinals, also recovered a fumble, had five tackles, no missed tackles, another splendid performance from the fifth-round pick out of UTSA. And again, as I mentioned, Rob, the league is taking notice here. This is a big deal to me, a fifth-round pick winning Defensive Player of the Week, when there were a lot of other worthy candidates out there, clearly his name is on the radar, not just in Seattle at this point. Yeah, that's what's spectacular, is that I think that we anticipated that there might be some type of NFL acknowledgement after this splashy performance, but to be the Defensive Player of the Week, not the Rookie of the Week, but the NFL Defensive Player of the Week, or excuse me, NFC Defensive Player of the Week, really is an acknowledgement to what Tariq Woolen has been able to do to this point. Um, for those of you watching on YouTube, you can read the statistics here, but the fourth straight game with an interception, that is uh, you know, tying a, a Seahawks record with, with that mark. Um, the first rookie since 1970 with back-to-back games with an interception and a fumble recovery. It really has been a spectacular performance. I think that you know when you looked at Seattle's matchup a week ago, go against the Arizona Cardinals and knowing that they were featuring a dynamic dual threat quarterback in Kyler Murray. They were featuring a true speed threat in Marquise Hollywood Brown. Um, and, and to see Tariq Woolen and the Seahawks be able to shut down the Arizona Cardinals offense, obviously leave, uh, allow only three points on offense to the Cardinals. It truly was a spectacular performance. Kudos to the NFL and to the media members out there who also contribute to Tariq Woolen getting a little bit of attention because he has been absolutely spectacular. He has never been better for the Seahawks than he was a week ago in the victory against the Cardinals. Yeah, as I mentioned, he's playing as well as any corner in the NFL. He certainly deserved this award. And we had a chance today at the VMAC to chat with Tariq Woolen. I'll tell you what, there might not be 
a more likable player on this roster right now. And he's got some competition. There's some really nice guys in this football team, but he is a pleasure to interview, and he's really funny. The best line all day when he had his combine meeting with the Seahawks, I guess he didn't know who Clint Hurt was, and when he walked in the room, he thought it was Pete Carroll's bodyguard. And apparently that has been a normal reaction for players going in. I mean, and Clint Hurt, that would be an imposing dude to see walking into a meeting room. Uh, but he also mentioned that, he isn't focusing on just winning players of the week. He wants to be player of the month and then player of the year. And that really leads me to this discussion point. And we've already talked a little bit the last couple of days about this, Rob, but I don't think at this point that it's an exaggeration to talk about Tariq Woolen as an all pro candidate. We've talked about defensive rookie of the year and being an all rookie team selection right now. He looks like a home run to be in contention for both of those but I think he's got to be in the discussion for all pro. And I threw a few stats out yesterday, but I decided to do a little bit more digging. And this is the perfect time to talk about it because clearly the rest of the NFL is noticing the stuff this kid is doing on the field. And you look at how he's stacking up next to the rest of the corners in the NFL. These stats coming from pro football focus, 21st in tackles. That might not seem like a big deal, but you know what? If your tack, if your corners aren't making a ton of tackles, that's actually usually pretty good news but he has a 4.3% missed tackle rate. That's the ninth lowest rate among qualified corners in the NFL. His four interceptions, that's first in the NFL among corners. Touchdowns allowed, zero. That's tied for first among qualified corners. Passer rating against 38.6. That is fourth in the NFL right now. And two fumble recoveries, that is second, tied for second in the NFL among corners. So he is really standing out in a number of different categories. And I guess to expand on this, Rob, he's one of only four cornerbacks in the league right now that's got at least two interceptions and has not allowed a touchdown. He's also one of only five cornerbacks in the league that have a passer rating against them that is under 40. So I could keep listing off all these statistics. Now, he doesn't have all the pass breakups to go with the interceptions, but quite frankly, I will take the interceptions over the pass breakups any day of the week. You put his stats up against any other corner out there in the league, and he stacks up against anyone right now. And so I don't think it's an exaggeration to say if they had to pick all pro teams right now. In fact, I would be furious if he was not at least a second team selection with the numbers and the film we have. He's playing that well right now. He really is. And and you put up some great statistics there. Um, one of the statistics that you didn't put up there, of course, is block kicks and uh, the blocked field goal attempt or excuse me, uh, you know, field goal attempt that he had uh, to me is one of the most exciting plays that we've seen so far of his brief and, and spectacular young NFL career. Just the closing speed, the full extension to be able to get the ball, you know, basically off the tee, so to speak. Um, you know, this isn't one of those block kicks where the ball is already in the air, uh, you know, a couple of yards. You just have somebody who has an incredible vertical, which of course he has. It was his speed, his ability to get around the edge and really be able to launch himself and meet at the point of attack, at the ball, reading the foot. That really was a spectacular performance. It truly is indicative of the 4.26 speed that he demonstrated at the combine. And, you know, again, there, there's just so many numbers there to process. I mean, considering the fact that, as we all know, this is a former wide receiver, but already in six NFL regular season games, he has more interceptions for the Seahawks than he ever had at UTSA. And again, the biggest concern I personally had for him and why I always struggled with the comparisons to Richard Sherman was because 
Tariq Woolen didn't show this level of physicality, this uh, ability to really harness ball carriers as open field tackler. That was a huge area of concern. And yet, as the statistics that you just showed uh, demonstrate, he has really excelled in that regard. So that, to me, is perhaps the most exciting thing about Tariq Woolen is he is already playing at an all-pro level, and it still feels like he's just scratching the surface of his potential. And I love that Clint Hurt today pointed out that, you know, there's some truth to the fact that this kid is just scratching the surface in terms of his understanding of football. But yet you can see that all this talk, well, he's out there making these plays when he doesn't really know what he's doing or he's oblivious. Like that is not at all the case either. Like when he was talking about, you know, the sign that Kyler Murray had out to Marquise Brown before the interception and thinking about the situation, fourth and 11, if they're going to try to pick this up to him, it's going to be downfield. Those are type of things that we're seeing. And then he had that interception against the Falcons and comes back the very next week against the Lions. He's been seeing these crossing routes. There just aren't very many corners in the league. They're going to be able to run from the boundary and then go pick off that pass in the middle of the field. But Tariq Woolen with that 4-2-6 speed can do it. And he knew that was coming. He knew he had the athletic ability to take that shot and jump that route. A lot of corners, even if they catch on to that, they know they're not going to be able to get there to make that play. And he can. And so I think that that is something that maybe is a narrative that's starting to be debunked a little bit. Not that he can't learn more because he clearly is still inexperienced and raw at the position, but he's already made remarkable strides in that regard. So He's a rookie. There's going to be some struggles at some point in time, but he's just so physically gifted and he's such a hard worker that if he does have those issues crop up, he's going to be able, he's, he's cool as a cat. He's going to be able to recover from that. It's just, it's been a remarkable story to this point. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago it was kind of, you know, could he be an all pro corner? Now it's like right now he is one of the top four corners in the NFL statistically on film. We'll see what happens moving forward, but he has been the most exciting rookie among a very good draft class for the Seahawks. And he's turning into a star in front of everybody's eyes as a rookie, something I think few expected from this kid right away in his first year in the NFL. It's matchup Wednesday. We're going to get to the Seahawks on offense going up against a Chargers defense that even without Joey Bosa still has plenty of star power. We'll look at three key matchups on that side of the football coming up next here on Locked on Seahawks. As you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. As a former site manager and current podcast host, I've made plenty of hires over the years, and LinkedIn has always been a go-to for me to find the top candidates in sports media. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network with over 810 million people. Add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. They've got simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on all the candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
You're listening to the Matchup Wednesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks to all the 12s for taking the time to make Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And make sure to check out the Key Prediction Show every Friday on Locked on NFL. Locked on's local experts, they give you the inside scoop on the five biggest games of the upcoming NFL weekend, including Sunday and Monday night football, plus betting advice from the field's leading experts at Bet Online. Follow NFL key predictions every Friday on Locked Up NFL. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. It's matchup Wednesday. It's time for us to start diving in deep to this matchup coming up on Sunday. A much anticipated one. The Chargers at four and two. They're right there with the Kansas City Chiefs and the AFC West. And to an extent, they've kind of been disappointing compared to what expectations were. But yet, the record is still pretty darn good. And the Seahawks, they're flying high after their divisional win over the Cardinals to get back to 500. They're tied for first place in the NFC West. Rob, let's talk Seahawks on offense going up against the Chargers on defense. I mentioned it a few minutes ago. Joey Bosa will not be playing on this game. He's on injured reserve. That's a huge loss for the Chargers. But that does not mean that they do not have an elite pass rusher because they still have one of the very best in Khalil Mack. Yeah, and, and Khalil Mack does not look like the absolute you know, dominant player that he was earlier in his career with the Chicago Bears, but he certainly looks like uh, a better version than we've seen in these last couple of seasons. And there were times where he took over uh, the game this past Monday night against the Denver Broncos, just kind of demonstrating that, that elite quickness off the edge, uh, the ability to dip and rip to get underneath the, uh, the pass blockers reach and then just the bull rush that to me is the most concerning thing considering that's something that both Charles Cross and Abe Lucas have both struggled with and I mentioned both rookie tackles because that's one of the things that the 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 Chargers have done a great job of is moving Mac from both sides and then oh by the way the Chargers also have a very good player a very versatile player in Kyle Van Noy who can rush a field also can drop back into coverage they've got a guy in Chris Rumpf that actually reminds me a little bit of Daryl Taylor and that he doesn't necessarily have the power in his lower half to be that that full-fledged force at the edge but he certainly can get upfield and again this is a a home game for the Chargers and they're going to be able to get their crowd going so perhaps the speed rush of Chris Rump might be able to give the Seahawks some troubles as well so as you said Corbin the, C- the, the Chargers don't have Joey Bosa but this is still one of the more formidable pass rushes that the Seahawks have seen so far this season and I think one area that I'll disagree with you a little bit and and I would have agreed with you before Khalil Mack got traded to the Chargers but I think he looks every bit like the player that was an MVP caliber player with the Raiders and early in his tenure with the uh, Chicago Bears I mean he is a absolute menace right now and he doesn't have Joey Bosa getting all the attention on the other side to help him out and he's still getting sacks he's still getting forced fumbles, quarterback hits, and he's always been a very good run defender to go with that. And so I still think he's one of the very best edge guys out there. He had some injuries that limited him to just seven games last year for the Bears, but at 31, he is still very much a force. And the fact that he can win with power as well as speed, that is worrisome going to this game. It could be worse if Joey Bosa was playing, but you still got to deal with Khalil Mack, who by the way, has had some very good games in his career against the Seattle Seahawks. The second matchup that jumps out to me, I think you could say maybe the Chargers have the advantage even without Joey Bosa, 
But there's an area I think the Seahawks can absolutely take advantage of with this Chargers defense, and that is Ken Walker III and DJ Dallas going up against Kenneth Murray and Drew Tranquil. Tranquil being a player that played at Notre Dame. I, actually, he's from the Fort Wayne area. He played with one of the rival schools that I played against in high school, so kind of a small world. But those two linebackers have had major issues defending the run this year. We just saw what Ken Walker III did against a Cardinals defense that has been decent, not great, but decent against the run this year. He's got almost 250 rushing yards already in limited action. And really, he's been kind of like Maurice Jones-Drew to an extent. He's that kind of got that pocket Hercules thing going on where he's just bouncing off guys, breaking tackles, low to the ground. I just look at the Chargers issues that they have had stopping the run. They're giving up a league-high 5.6 yards per carry. The big problem has been the play of the linebackers. Tranquil by himself this year, according to Pro Football Focus, has 10 missed tackles. He is a pass-rushing threat. He's a really good blitzer. Russell Wilson figured that out on Monday night. He's got good coverage skills. He's a really smooth athlete, but he is not a very good run defender, and he can physically be overpowered, especially if linemen get to the second level. And Murray has really had a rough season. It hasn't lived up to expectations since coming out of Oklahoma. That is an area that the Seahawks can absolutely exploit with both their running backs. I can see DJ Dallas having success against this team with his physicality between the tackles. This is a game Seattle should be able to run the football. They, they should. Um, you know, considering how well Ken Walker III looked uh, a week ago, uh, you know, and the fact that the Chargers, as you mentioned, have statistically really struggled against the run. Um, and, and and let's face it, I mean, there's a lot of teams out there. That is the M.O. That, that's how you stop the Chargers. you got to keep Justin Herbert off the field um, is to be able to run the ball. And the fact that Brandon Staley's team and, you know, Brandon Staley, of course, is a defensive-minded head coach, uh, that the, the Chargers have dedicated several – early picks to trying to shore up this problem. Kenneth Murray was a first-round pick. Drew Tranquil was a fairly celebrated player coming out of, of Notre Dame. Um, they, they got some good football players. I, I think you could make it an argument that along the defensive line for the Chargers as well, that they have not held up uh, quite as as well as expected uh, against the run so far. So, yes, I, I think that this, with you know the exception of the, the, the matchup that we just talked about, you have to slow down Khalil Mack. But otherwise, I think this is the most important matchup for the Seahawks. And that's kind of always the case with Seattle. They, of course, want to run the football. But I do think that this is a matchup that Seattle right now is kind of rolling hot dice. They got to be feeling really, really good about the way that Ken Walker III looked. Um, and then again, this feels like this is a potential matchup that the Seahawks can exploit because the Chargers have struggled in this regard. Yeah, I think this is a game. I mentioned the physicality aspect. There's some really good athletes on that defensive line. Both these linebackers can move really well. But this feels like a game, kind of like a few weeks ago, where they were able to get the ground game rolling with more gap man-blocking schemes, getting some pulling guards going, maybe some pin and pulls. This feels like a game that you could have success doing that, getting a more powerful downhill run game going rather than relying heavily on your inside and outside zone game and mid zone game. And so I'm curious to see what the Seahawks do. They've shown this year they're willing to open up the toolbox and change up from being a zone heavy team when they have an opponent that really struggles against power running games. This is a team I think they can get that going against. And of course, you look at the star power of the Chargers defense. They spent a ton of money on their secondary this offseason. JC Jackson coming over from the New England Patriots and we actually talked briefly in the offseason about 
J.C. Jackson as a Seahawks target. I don't think you and I ever thought the Seahawks going to pay that kind of money, but he has been arguably the best corner in the NFL the last couple of years playing in New England, and yet it has been a struggle. He got benched at halftime on Monday night against the Denver Broncos. He is going to start in this game on Sunday against the Seahawks, a big-time talent, but has really struggled to adapt. And so I think we have to include the two-star receivers for the Seahawks, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, going up against J.C. Jackson, who has been an all-pro caliber player, and Asante Samuel Jr., who's a very good player in his own right, a high draft pick in his own right. This should be one of the best one-two punches at corner in the NFL, and yet you look at DK Metcalf, he's got the size advantage big time on both of these corners. And Tyler Lockett, quickness-wise, should match up with Jackson Samuel as long as he's healthy. He didn't practice today with a hamstring injury, so that's something to keep an eye on. But this really is one of those get-your-popcorn-ready type matchups. If J.C. Jackson plays to the level he's capable of, he did give up a long touchdown on a blown coverage last week. He's already given up almost 350 receiving yards. And, oh, by the way, he's played in four games. So it has been a disastrous signing for them so far. If the Seahawks can catch him still playing playing like that right now, then this has a chance to be a game where Geno Smith can stick it to one of his former teams by getting the football to his two-star receivers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. J.C. Jackson watching him Monday night. I mean, he had that kind of deer in the headlights look that you don't expect to see from a player with, uh, you know, his accolades, um, you know, but he was beaten for that touchdown, just completely looked lost in coverage. He was trailing on several other plays, uh, you know, against wide receivers, against tight end. That was the touchdown um, against slot receivers. The, the Chargers have moved him around a little bit, and it almost seems like regardless of who he was matched up against he was giving up big plays in coverage and that has got to just have dk metcalf wanting to pull out the binky and kind of be frothing at the mouth because i think there's going to be some playing opportunities here for him but you, you mentioned as well with tyler lockett and that hamstring injury uh, i think the hamstring injury is one that we absolutely have to kind of keep an eye on the seahawks have held out tyler lockett in past weeks for you know kind of that veterans day off so maybe this is much ado about nothing but considering the fact that the Chargers have a spectacular receiver of their own, Keenan Allen, who has struggled with a hamstring injury, also is a veteran, um, then this bears watching as well. Because we've talked about this, Corbin, while we're excited about what we've seen from D. Eskridge and Marquise Goodwin in, in their small playing opportunities, should Seattle lose either one of that two-headed monster at wide receiver in DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, then there is a pretty significant drop-off. So just kind of keeping your fingers crossed here that Seattle comes into this game, you know, at full power at the wide receiver position. If they can, then I really think this is a Chargers defense for all of its big names that the Seahawks should be able to score some points. Real quick, usually we do three matchups, but I'm just going to throw a bonus fourth one real quick here just because if you pay any attention to the Chargers, Derwin James is one of the best safeties in the NFL, and yet this Chargers team is in the top 10 for most yarders given up to tight ends. So I would expect that Noah Fant, Colby Parkinson, and Will Disley, they're going to get their opportunities. The Seahawks will be looking for ways to get them to football. And yet Derwin James, a very good cover safety, kind of in the Jamal Adams mold where he can play a lot in the box and really smack people in the run game, can blitz. And when he's healthy, he can do a little bit of everything. And he's a pretty good natural cover safety as well. So that is one that I'm excited about that I'm not sure I necessarily see who would have the advantage, even though the numbers bear out that the Chargers have had their struggles against tight ends. They have only given up one touchdown 
to that position. So it's been a lot of yardage, not a lot of uh, points being put on the board at that position. We're going to get to the Seahawks on defense coming up next, going against the Chargers offense. Plenty of weapons. It's been a little bit of a struggle for Justin Herbert and company. Only scored 19 points against the Broncos. Really good defense on Monday night. It was enough to win. We're going to look at three matchups on that side of the ball coming up next year on our matchup Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, whether it's Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, or golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline where the game starts. You're listening to Matchup Wednesday here on the Locked on Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. We appreciate all the 12s out there who make Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And make sure for your second listen to check out the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Continuing matchup Wednesday, we just looked at the Seahawks on offense, three matchups going up against the Chargers on defense. And very much the same for the Chargers on the offensive side of the football, Rob. This team, when healthy, has as much talent as anyone on the offensive side of the football. And yet, they have been ravaged by injuries, particularly on the offensive line. And that kind of creates a little bit of intrigue going into this game on Sunday because a few of those guys might be back and they might not be. So there's going to be some asterisk to some of these matchups. Yeah, I think one of the ones that we kind of got to look at, we, we know that Rashawn Slater, the left tackle, is not going to be available for the Chargers. And so that means it's very likely to be the rookie, Jamari Sawyer. Um, you know, this is a guy who was a sixth round pick for the Chargers. Now, he did come from the University of Georgia, the national champions. He was a left tackle there. Um, and he played fairly well uh, against Denver. But at the same time, he is going to be going up likely Uchenna Nuosu, who is coming back to the Chargers. You know he wants some payback. He's been Seattle's most consistent, albeit, you know, with the exception of Tariq Woolen, perhaps. But I think that Uchenna Nuosu has been Seattle's certainly most consistent of their front seven defenders this year, certainly their most physical and playmaker uh, of that bunch. So I'm really excited about that matchup. And uh, I think on the other side, Trey Pipkins, uh, you know, a big right tackle, a guy that might be vulnerable to a pass rush, especially with the speed that we've seen Daryl Taylor flash. I think that Taylor is right on the verge of having a, a big time performance. And while on the subject of the offensive line, I think that we have to talk at the center position. The, the Chargers have one of the best centers in the league and Corey Lindsley, a player that the Seahawks were very interested um, when he was a free agent from Green Bay a couple of years ago. He missed the Monday night game. At least it was listed as food poisoning but it's now been four or five days and so there's been all kinds of conjecture what's going on with Corey Lindsley should he not be available then it would be Will Clapp and Will Clapp went down with an injury against Denver and that pushed in Brendan James a player who played mostly tackle and guard at Nebraska a couple of years ago he is not the most 
powerful guy at the point of attack for that center position. And that, again, has got to be really exciting for the Seahawks. Not just their edge rushers, but you get Big Al Woods and Brian Monet and the power that both of them have demonstrated going head-on-head with Lindsley, who even if he's healthy, he's still an undersized kind of a guy. There's not going to be a lot of games, Corbin, where I'm going to say that I think the Seahawks have the advantage with their front defensively because they still have the statistics to back it up. And the Chargers have all kinds of big names. But this might be one of those games in which Seattle might be able to physically just maul a Chargers offensive line and get a lot of pressure on Justin Herbert. Obviously, the biggest question mark there is Lindsley because if he returns to practice the next day or two when he's ready to go, then you are talking about one of the top two or three centers in the NFL, an all-pro caliber player. That would immediately make the Chargers offensive line 10 times better. But the tackles, the numbers are decent, but I'm with you. Both these guys are big-bodied tackles that more, you know, at least in the case of Sawyer, more resemble a guard. And it feels like Uchenna Nuosu with what he's been able to do so far this year, winning with power and speed, his savvy, that would be a matchup that would heavily lean towards the Seahawks, especially with his knowledge of the Chargers, having played for them for the last four years. That would be a big advantage for him. On the other side, Pipkin's going against Daryl Taylor, who is coming on easily his best game of the season. He's going to be playing that situational edge rusher role. Boy, Mafe playing over there. His athleticism could give Pipkins a lot of problems as well. So I do think that this is a game with the Chargers not being close to full strength in their offensive line, that their front seven, at least those front five, can really get after the quarterback. Herbert was under duress with the Broncos, and they're missing some pieces. Randy Gregory's out. They've got a couple other players banged up. The Seahawks are full strength along the defensive line. Alwood's coming back to practice today. You've got Monet playing well. The edge rushers had a great game against the Cardinals. This feels like a matchup that really is leaning towards the Seahawks if they can build off their momentum for Sunday. A matchup that worries me, though, is in the backfield. And we know the documented history for the Seahawks, Rob, going against Alvin Kamara, a player who is a dynamic receiver just as much as a running back. Austin Eckler is of that same mold, a less distinguished less known commodity that does a lot of damage. 261 receiving yards. He leads the Chargers in receptions. He has 349 rushing yards. He's averaging almost five yards per carry, and he's got six total touchdowns. We know how much this Seahawks defense has struggled defending the run up until this last game against the Cardinals, who were missing their top two running backs, and they were missing some offensive linemen. The line situation is worth monitoring here, but Eckler is the kind of weapon that has given the Seahawks fits, whether it's defending screens, defending the running back out of the backfield, going out in the slot, and he's a very good running back to go on top of it. Eckler might be the player on the Chargers away from their quarterback, Justin Herbert, that worries me the most going into this game. And Jordan Brooks, Cody Barton, Barton's going to play a lot more snaps than he did last week against his team, the type of offense that the Chargers run. He is going to have to step his game up. You can't have a performance like he had against the Falcons in week three or in week four, the game against the Lions. He's got to play much better or they're going to get eaten alive by Austin Eckler and Sony Michelle. they got a nice one-two punch there. They've got another running back as well uh, in Kelly that can be a, a real difference maker as well in the passing game. This is worrisome considering the struggles the Seahawks have had most of the season. 
Yeah, I think that when you look at last week's performance against the Arizona Cardinals, you think, okay, Seattle's defense has flipped the switch, and, and now they are dominant. Well, as you just mentioned, the Cardinals really had their struggles um, in, in just terms of the depth chart at the running back position due to injuries. And now you are facing a terrific Chargers team uh, in all of the different talents that they have at the running back position. This is going to sound almost sacrilegious, considering that I think that Justin Herbert is one of the elite young quarterbacks in all of the NFL, but I, I'm with you. I think that Austin Eckler is actually possibly public enemy number one when it comes to Seattle trying to match up against this Chargers team. And we, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I really thought that Taysom Hill, considering how much that Seattle had struggled with tight ends and had struggled with versatile playmakers, uh, you know, like Kyle Huszczyk, for example, in San Francisco, uh, how much they struggled with him, that I really thought that, that Taysom Hill was a player that Seattle really had to watch out for. He was going to be dangerous. Well, I think the Austin Eckler, same kind of thing. Clint Hurt, whether he be Seattle's defensive coordinator or just Pete Carroll's bodyguard, that that he is going to be somebody that is perhaps is going to be you know staying up late at night um, and, and struggling to sleep a little bit, just trying to figure out a way to slow down Austin Eckler um, in terms of his quickness, in terms of his power. Uh, the, the touchdown he had against the Denver Broncos, I mean, he was hit in the backfield and then rumbled ahead 10 yards to get the touchdown for the charge. I mean, that was just not a kind of a run that you expect to see for a guy who is at least listed at 5'10", 210 pounds, but it's almost all in his thighs. I mean, this guy is so powerful, so quick. He's very similar in a lot of ways to Ken Walker III, except he is an established player at this point, not a rookie just going into his second career start. So to me, this is the matchup to watch for the Seahawks on the defensive side of the ball. For the third matchup, you and I were debating a couple of ones, and part of it is because of the injuries that the Chargers are dealing with. But we don't know if Keenan Allen is going to play in this game or not. Allen today said that there's a chance he might wait until after the Week 8 bye to come back. That would be great news for the Seattle Seahawks secondary because Keenan Allen somehow remains underrated in my mind. Maybe the best route runner in the NFL. The guy just knows how to get open. He's been doing it for a long time consistent production regardless of who the quarterback has been and he is the number one target for Justin Herbert and they've been missing him out there dealing with a hamstring injury I have to put that one up as our last matchup because I am holding out the possibility that Keenan Allen can play and if there's a receiver who could give Tariq Woolen some problems Mike Williams has the athleticism and most importantly the size to be a real matchup problem. Tariq Woolen typically is much bigger than the receivers he's going up against. He would not have that advantage going against Mike Williams, who's got 409 receiving yards this year, only two touchdowns, but we saw him tiptoeing along the sidelines. I think he made a catch on Monday night that they ruled incomplete. I thought both feet were in bounds. This guy is a really smooth athlete with great balance and you just don't see many receivers of his size that bring that to the table. He's had some injuries, but I think that Tariq Woolen against him would be a lot of fun to watch. And Kobe Bryant in the slot going against Keenan Allen, who can play outside and inside. He's just such a crafty route runner wherever you put him on the field. Super reliable target with glue for hands. That would be maybe the toughest matchup that Kobe Bryant has had since he's become the starting slot corner. And so that would be a huge challenge for him. But that is a big asterisk here because we don't know if Keenan Allen is going to play or not. If he doesn't, there's a big drop-off for the rest of the Chargers receivers. 
There is. Uh, Michael Bandy is this, the slot receiver who played a lot for the Chargers, um, was one of those players that, we, as we talked about before, uh, some guys who uh, kind of got behind, um, you know, J.C. Jackson. I, I had an opportunity to kind of watch those two kind of go head-to-head in training camp. And, you know, Bandy's a quick little slot receiver himself, kind of one of those guys that you expect to play for the, the New England Patriots, um, you know, one of those type of, of short, quick, very reliable hands kind of, of receivers. So to me, he is that kind of a, a guy. Uh, I'm sorry, I got his name wrong there. And DeAndre Carter, Bandy, of course, being for the Denver Broncos, just had a, a momentary uh, forgetful moment, a senior moment as I'm getting older here. Uh, anyways, <laughs> the those types of receivers, I still have some concerns for the Seahawks because we know that their pass rush has kind of gone up and down and all around a little bit. So that is a concern to me. Um, again, I think that you make an excellent point here with Mike Williams and the matchup against Tariq Woolen, likely uh, Keenan Allen, of course, but should Keenan Allen not be able to play in this game? I wouldn't be surprised at all again to see Justin Herbert rely again in Austin Eckler and then also the tight ends. Uh, we talked before about Uchenna Nuosu wanting some revenge against the Chargers. Well, how about Gerald Everett wanting a little bit of revenge against the Seahawks? I know that he, of course, didn't play in Seattle for very long, but at the same time, Seattle basically kind of you know didn't show much interest in bringing him back. And Everett is still one of the best tight ends in the NFL when it comes to catching the ball, making people miss and putting people on their backside and considering the struggles that Seattle has had in tackling this year, that is a matchup that I have some concern about. And then Donald Parman, this guy is six, eight. Um, and so if we're going to talk about the height of a player like Mike Williams, the outside for wide receiver, Parham also brings that as well. So to me, the, the Chargers don't have the you know the name recognition of the receivers, at least not the healthy guys at this point. But it's some of the under uh, unknown names, I think, at, at their the pass catcher positions that are still very much a concern for the Seahawks defensively. And I remember Parham as being a player that was from the last incarnation of the XFL before COVID ended it, and that was really what got his NFL career jump started. And now he's one of the tight ends for the Chargers. They certainly have some athletic weapons at that position. Everett is one of the most athletic tight ends. He's had some issues with drops. This year has been pretty reliable for Justin Herbert. And so he might be the number two guy to go to if they don't have Keenan Allen available in this game. I'm glad you pointed out the tight ends. There, There's just a lot of matchups in this game to consider because we don't know what the teams are going to look like, particularly the Chargers with the injuries they're dealing with with key players. And so it'll be something later in the week. We'll have an idea who's going to be playing and maybe we can revisit on Friday's episode, a few of those matchups during the keys to victory segment. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to check out locked on Seahawks. We're on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up tomorrow, it's crossover Thursday. I'll be joining the locked on chargers gang and we'll be diving into some more storylines, matchups, and making some predictions. Jam-packed crossover Thursday episode coming your way. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.